Hey everybody, welcome to the Master Movie Podcast for this emergency broadcast. Um, I would call it that. Yep, it's definitely that. Me <laughs> and Alex went and saw Surfer Teen Confronts Fear. That one movie we've been hyping ourselves for for a year now. little, Maybe more than that. It's been a year and a half. In a year and a half, since I first brought it up in a Vice article, and we just saw it because three weeks ago, when we were doing Rogue Nation, I happened to look, and it came to Minneapolis. So, we are now here. The journey is now complete. Oh my god! Oh, it was worth it, and every, like, and then some. Okay, um, did we hype it up enough? We did, we, I think we did. Like, I posted on Facebook, like, that is object, objectively, objectively, that is the worst Christian film ever made. Ever. Yes. But it is quite possibly just the not even possibly it is absolutely hilarious to watch in the right sense. It was it was amazing. Um, it was almost. So let me. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. No, you. No, you. I do now. I, I get it now. I get it. Absolutely. I 100% get it now. I mean, it's hard to explain why somebody would enjoy these movies in the first place, ironically. Like, someone like me who could sit in my home and watch something like this and have the same sort of reaction that I had tonight. But it's the group of people like me sitting in a room enjoying it that just elevates the movie even more so. And you see it in the exact light that it should be seen in, regardless of whether it was the light intended to be seen. Okay, so I'm pulling up the Vice article now. God, I've got to go back and find the original time I brought up the article. I've got to go back and figure it out. Probably going to be on the one YouTube one. It, it came out, the article says it was written in March, and that should be around the time that you would have seen it if it hit up on your thing. Okay. If not, maybe a couple months later. Um, just... <sighs> Let me just sum this movie up for you real quick. Okay, so this kid, 
he's afraid to go out into the ocean, right? We start right. with him, like, going through, and he's making bait out of dead squids, which is, I guess, how you do it in on the West Coast. And so, he then, as he's fishing on the beach, hooks his father, who is supposed to be dead, but then he is reincarnated by squids? By God. By God, out of squids. And electricity. And electricity. <laughs> so, stay with the us. The crowd up that line, which I love. <laughs> so then he goes into this, what, 40-minute monologue, which gets almost all the religious allegories brought up wrong. And, like, he then vomits, and which in the process he vomits um, squid ink, explains how his skin is made of jelly. And, like, <laughs> I've just, I, so then, afterwards... He then utters the greatest line in all of cinema, I am an iron maiden of pain, boy. I think what he said was, I'm in, I think he said, I'm in an iron maiden of pain. <laughs> he just, Still. He, he screamed it. I'm in an iron maiden of pain. Howled with laughter, the whole room did. Oh god, that was one of the best, that was one of the lines that everybody was just absolutely shocked by. And so <laughs> <laughs> Then they then he roll then his son rolls him back into the ocean. Like literally rolls him back. You're skipping a lot, but you're not skipping much. <laughs> no, no no no. Let's not forget about the whale. forget about the whale. I'm sure the kid didn't. Why was Will crying? <laughs> fall. Winter, spring, summer, and fall again. Oh, don't don't forget the dream, Chris. <laughs> Which one? Remember the dream where he's like, you know me. You know I'm telling you. Oh my god, yes. When you were a kid. Oh my god, that dream. That poor kid had to recite, like, easily two and a half straight minutes of dialogue. It was... It was unbelievably funny how... how much he made that kid speak. Um... Then they roll him back into the ocean after they talked about a beached whale that's dead, and they got close-ups of it, and it was gross. Um... Very gross. And then it devol then he goes to a military installation that is on a street corner in Santa Monica. <laughs> where the two guards are two janitor looking guys. One looks like the, the, Here's the best part. As you're saying this, I'm gonna let you finish your version of it, but I'm, then I'm gonna totally tell my version of it. Because <laughs> the funny thing is there's so many ways you can view this movie. Um, and so he sees a doctor, right? He's there to see a doctor. 
And the doctor reveals that his father has been in a state of... I don't know what exactly he said. If I had to guess, he looked like he had ALS or something. Um... It was hard because he had the physical features of someone who had, yeah, like, a, a muscle disease. But he kept talking like he wasn't there at all. Like, it, it looked as if he had, like, the worst stroke in the world that just ravaged his brain. And all that was left was basic motor functions. And that's it. I don't know. He probably did use a term, but the whole theater just erupted. Just like there's twenty five percent of this movie we missed because we watched it with the crowd, which is also one of the many joys of rewatching the movie over again. And we were just as loud as everybody else, but yes. like it, it, it's the the it's like any comedy. It's like Dumb and Dumber. The biggest laughs sometimes drown out some of the like small ones, and. There were some big laughs tonight. <laughs> so after that, it's explained through some kind of exposition that the military made him that way for something resembling health insurance, that they were going to do something with the son too. But that never came to fruition because then we got a surfing montage for the last 45 minutes of this film, and then it ended. No, it ended on a folding American flag as if it was a soldier's funeral. That's the film. Those are some amazing credits. And this was made by a USC professor. Just shows you how anyone can get a degree. Anyone can get a degree. That is true. Um, this movie is insane. Um, it's yeah, indescribable. Just what we watched tonight. It's re- it really is. Uh, so yes. Okay. Um, yeah. You go. You go. You go. Take over. Surfer Teen confronts fear is. Everything I wanted it to be and more, and also not enough. It's amazing. Um, I. Uh, uh, it was beautiful. <laughs> um, so when the movie started, it was just right in, just right in. And the images were like, we're on a pier and we're following a kid. And he's, yeah, he's talking about how a big wave of. Was a fish off. And um, then he goes to the beach and he starts having flashbacks about himself surfing, but they're not not really flashbacks. They're still images. Yes. Like, Saver, it was jarring. How is he remembering this anytime, in the third person? Anytime this movie did any fact. Go ahead. No, it's like, I was, just, I was just thinking, like, as I was watching, I'm like, how is he remembering this in the third person? <laughs> That was another thing. Like, obviously, the... Um, so, he's he's on the beach, and then he sees the dad, he hooks him in, and he lands on the beach. All, as I'm watching all of this, I'm like, 
fixing the movie in my head, like the better way that I would approach the storytelling. And then the dad showed up. <laughs> and then the movie just went off the way. There was no fixing what was going on there. <laughs> Not even close. The dad was crazy. <laughs> just, he just like, he, show, he shows up and within the first seconds, it's just, guy drunk does he have brain damage what's wrong with him and he just keeps talking and talking and talking and then he brings up the dream and he looks at his kid and he's like if you want to remember me remember that you were in a dream before you were born and you told me something remember that one thing you said and then it cuts to the kid and he's like remember this one thing you said and the kid says it and it flashes to the dream and then the kid just just keeps talking for like a minute he just keeps talking I'm like is the kid supposed to remember all of this I didn't get it it was longer and than a it minute come on getting more, it was it, I don't know how long man like every time something went on forever I just couldn't imagine like how do you break this 90 minute movie up like what what were the sections like I didn't get it so yes he keeps shouting British allegory not British but <laughs> biblical allegories <laughs> 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 I just said that. So I did. And I don't know. Anyway, maybe there's a British allegory for what just happened. I don't know. Look at Spinal Tap. Continue. Uh, so, study all these allegories. And every time he says something, he looks at the kid and he's like, You get what I'm saying? You understand what I mean? And the kid's like, Yeah. This is John Wickham. Just staring off and. And you could say, you could say that the kid was just, like, bored or didn't want to be there and all that stuff. But really, he is bored in the sense that whenever you're sitting there and someone else has to monologue over and over and over again, because Lord knows how many times he had to shoot that, the kid has nothing really to say. So he gets to the point where the kid finally goes, why are you here? Why do you care that I become a surfing champion? Am I supposed to do what you never and then the dad starts freaking out he starts like he just starts acting like he's got like a hernia yeah (laughs) I gotta pass a stone he just keeps talking about Adam and Eve and it's like he just keeps talking and talking and talking and then he's just like uh, uh, and then he barrels over then he rolls into the sea when his son starts asking reasonable questions is when he rolls himself into the sea and then the son has to help, but you can, like, see the guy actually paddle into the, Oh, it's so adorable. It's so adorable. All of this is intercut with scenes of the kid surfing throughout his life. And I don't mean just the kid throughout his life. I mean, he literally filmed his own son from, like, age... It's his own son in the dream. It's his real own six-year-old son. It's like son. boyhood. filming this movie all his life. And... Oh, dude, it's... Exactly. It's like footage of the kid surfing. So, really... This is honestly just footage of the kid. It's to sell the kid surfing. Yes. On a biblical level. It's like, you're just hating a different market, and it's crazy. So, it, it's intercut with footage of the kid surfing, and it's he keeps falling or succeeding, and then it just keeps going on forever, and we're all like, when is this going to end? But on top, cherry on top of this extremely boring footage of somebody surfing is the score. Yes. The music. 
in this movie <laughs> is unbelievably bad. It's <laughs> so bad. It it's as if it's as if you go <laughs> it's as if you went to the studio to watch a band play and they go through like a couple of takes of a great song and then someone goes, All right, everybody, let's go to lunch. I'll do you come back to pick something up out of the room and what you find is the janitor around of the guitar and it's the worst sounding thing like you know that in his mind he thinks he sounds great but it's just terrible it's one note two note playing he plays the flute he plays the guitar he plays like ugh it's so bad so while you're watching this boring footage you are just you're you're worst music ever from the most amateur musician that ever existed it's it's unbelievable it, it, it's the perfect combination of something hilariously bad. I and think then no, the movie takes a turn. It does take a turn, but like I think you, I think you got annoyed at the music before I did. Honestly, because I'm just like at that point, I was, at that point I was like numb, and then like I slowly brought myself back, and I'm just like, what is this music? What am I listening to right now? It's just like it's like somebody it's like if somebody it sounded like um it sounded like a four year old was asked to recite Prince or something. <laughs> like it's just that bad. <laughs> like, seriously. Oh, that's amazing. Prince, I don't think Prince ever made Surfer music, but that is that is exactly what it sounds like. Yes. Because it's not that it's the Surfer music, it's that it goes on. It's that it's just like so solo-y. It's so like, I'm just going to keep on playing. There's no melody. You're going with me wherever I go. It's so bad. Right. Oh, it's usually bad. But okay, so he kicks his father into the ocean. But before he kicks his father into the ocean, oh my God, one of the biggest laughs of the night. So this dad is droning on and on for hours one of them in a complete single take that doesn't cut for 10 minutes that's when the kid asks him um, why do you care if I ever become a famous surfer and the dad starts freaking out because he doesn't just starts freaking out he gets into pain and then all of a sudden he looks at his kid and he goes write this down <laughs> <laughs> write this down produces a notepad out of nowhere yeah. <laughs> out of nowhere where did it come from and why didn't he bring it out early? I heard Sophie's like trying to explain all these things. It's like, do you understand? Do you understand? And the kid's like, yeah. And it's like, no, you don't. Write it down. And he, he makes him write down a code, a, a code with a niner in it. There's a niner in there. Which means nine. <laughs> My God. And <laughs> it's apparently, there are apparently the coordinates and locations for big storms that are going to come, which will prove that the dad is from heaven and has been sent as a prophet for the kid for him to become a famous surfer. And he has to go to a doctor. Doesn't say anything. He just goes find this man. This man will give you money to surf around the world. This man, you must find him and he will give you money. By the way, if you find this guy, he's going to give you some money. Like, he just keeps saying it. And it's like, he'll, he's like, he'll believe you. Just tell him and he'll believe you. And the kid dumps his dad in the ocean and his squid dad in the ocean 
and he walks over to this building that his dad tells him to go to and he stands outside the building and he just internally goes "Mm, they'll never believe me if I tell them that this happened I'll tell them it's a dream then they'll give me the money (laughs) (laughs) so he walks right in the door he walks right in that door and and this woman's like hey who are you and she's in like a I don't know, it looks like the background of a massage place. Exactly, but it's a military installation. Well, I didn't know that until she said it, because it looked like a bed, bath, and beyond. And then the the guy in uniform, hold on, then the guy in uniform used terminology as if he was on a boat, or a ship. There's There's a good, like, three minute spat of this military guy who pops out he asks for two guys to come and search the perimeter of the building and we spend all this time looking at like cars and making sure there's no bombs around and stuff the entire time he's using military lingo from not just a ship just military lingo just random military crap none of it makes any sense it's just sort of saying it they say all quiet on the western front like it's actually a thing people say but no nobody says that anymore and it's <laughs> so he goes through all this rigmarole because the kid says, I'm looking for Banks. I don't know who Banks is. Banks doesn't know me. But I know Banks exists. And I'm here to see him. And the military guy goes through all of the biggest security measures ever to just go, okay, I don't know who you are. And you don't know Banks. I'm going to go ask him if he wants to see you. <laughs> you, skipped o- you skipped over something. He patted what? him down. He did. And then he turned him he around and patted and him. bent him over like this. Yeah. Yeah. See, like, it's funny because when, when he pats him down in front of him, he doesn't go past his knees. And so you're like, oh, this movie's avoiding, you know, any sort of whatever. And then he just basically turns him around, swings him, bends him over, and he's like, who's your daddy? <laughs> I was shocked by that. And so the guy goes to his boss. It's one of my favorite moments of the entire movie because I wish this was in any other movie. So the guy goes up to his boss and he says, hey, there's a kid here to see you. Uh, He knows your banks. He doesn't know who you are, what you do, and he's sure you don't know him. Uh, Do you want to see him? And the boss is sitting there writing in his notebook and he's listening to all of this and he's like, "Ah, what? And the guy tells him, and he gives him a piece of paper the kid is supposed to give to Banks for him to believe them. And then Banks grabs the piece of paper, puts it down, and then goes back to writing in his <laughs> notebook as the biggest passive-aggressive I've ever seen a boss make, ever. And then he finishes his sentence. Then he puts his pen down. Then he opens the piece of paper and gives a huge-ass sigh. And then enters one of the best actors of the movie. He gives all the exposition of the movie, which I don't know any of it, but he just, he, he basically tells the audience the backstory of the entire movie through his eyebrows. I've never seen it happen. It's amazing. It was brilliant. <laughs> he, he looks at the, he looks at the paper, and it's just coordinates in a code, and his eyes just, his face, his eyebrows, he's emitting so hard. And you get this idea of that, oh, he must have known the dad, and they have a past, and something's going on. You just know it through his eyebrows, and it's great. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, bring bring the kid up. Bring him up. Bring the kid up. 
<laughs> he does. And he looks at the kid and he's like, I want to show you a picture of your dad. And it's an ID, a driver's license of some sort. Like, he doesn't have a picture of him and his dad at all. Like, he couldn't get the actors together to take a picture, but you get them both together to make a scene in your movie. Okay, whatever. He shows him an ID card. And it's like, this is your dad. Yeah, he looked like looking in a mirror, right? And it's just, he tells the kid that the dad and him used to be best friends and that they were both going to surf around the world and big waves and confront their fears. And the kid's like, wow. And he's like, I'm going to give you the money. I'm going to let you surf around the world because you are obviously your dad's son. He totally visited you in Squidward. I'm going to give you that money. Um, oh, by the way, your dad's not dead. He's <laughs> actually got brain damage and a muscle disease problem, and he's right here in this wheelchair. Roll him on in. <laughs> and they do. And suddenly sees his dad. And it's the guy who played it's his real dad. And he is acting like um, he's got brain damage or cerebral palsy or just, just a, like a combination of the both. And then in one of the best moments of the entire movie, the kid is staring at his dad and he's like, this is terrible. I can't believe it. This is awful. And the doctor looks to the man in the, the military garb and he goes, why don't you get him a Coke? <laughs> 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 so he gets him a coke a giant 20 ounce coke with a giant straw that's bigger than the kid's head and they put it on the table and he goes hey why don't you talk to your dad maybe talking to your dad is going to bring him back and he'll remember some things and he'll respond to you like let's see what happens and the kid's like okay and he's like just tell him your name tell him who you are tell him you're his son and he starts and he's like uh, dad I'm Sage I'm your son and the dad starts freaking out hardcore. He starts, like, vibrating, just shakes himself out of the wheelchair. He shakes so hard, he knocks the coke off the desk, and the whole theater just freaks out. Yeah. Like, no! Everybody got more attached thing. to the freaking coke <laughs> bottle than they did to anybody in this movie. Everybody was freaking out about the coke bottle. And then immediately the kid turns around and starts banging the wall, like, my dad, coke, coke, my dad. It's great. And... <laughs> They pick the dad up, they put him in the wheelchair, they clean up the Coke somehow and get him a brand new Coke because there's a Coke literally in the next cutscene. They just cut and there's a brand new Coke. Obviously, it's a different day. And then they, they show the scene again. It's the exact same scene. It's a different take that happened before the Coke. And they act like they act like this whole event just happened. The kid freaked out, the dad freaked out, the coat spilled, and then they clean them all up, they get everybody in the exact same positions, and the doctor goes, Wow, okay. I'm so sorry about that. That was crazy. What if you talk to your dad though? Why don't you just tell him name? Tell him you love him. Just you know, talk maybe he won't respond. He literally said that. He's like, he's not gonna respond. But why don't you say something? He Sage says, "I love you. I'm your I'm your son, Sage." And the dad freaks out and falls on the floor and um, does the exact same thing again. The kid freaks out, starts crying, and then the doctor and the military man get him on the floor, put a oh my god, that's right, the first time they put a spoon in his mouth, which means which means they didn't do it in the first take. They decided in the second take they were going to put a spoon in his mouth, which is uncalled for. <laughs> <laughs> 
like there's a there's a it shows sage in bali like they said they'd take him to go surfing and stuff but like it's obviously a younger sage with a dye job oh wait before they do that i forgot there's a speedy camera scene of a guy making a surfboard with sage <laughs> and then the surfboard shows up like every now and then it breaks in half at one point and then shows up again like the movie just jumps back and forth between like in the life of sage as a surfer it doesn't even bother continuity it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> the music is terrible awful and then it just builds and builds to this one big wave that's following sage and then the, and then it stops being a montage and starts cutting into actual like stock footage pictures of him like it becomes a screensaver again it's it's, it's almost like the film just stops becoming a film and just starts just slowly becoming a screensaver and then eventually it cuts on this footage of sage being chased by a giant wave and then it pauses and then it, it intercuts footage of not, obviously not military men folding a flag at a funeral turns out that it was the boy scouts of america considering the credits said that yep and so they fold the flag horribly in terrible military garb and I don't know what that means because the movie ends there. I think it's like boom credits right after that. So I think one of two things happened. Either a, oh my god, I completely forgot the bet. Like the one scene in the movie where the doctor and some random boat captain. I was who just I about to like say a military man. I don't know what he is. So he looks at the guy and the guy spills the beans. He's like, "So you're telling me that the guy." who we trained into a secret spy soldier, so the dad was a secret spy soldier, <laughs> apparently, uh, and sent him on a mission uh, that killed him. We got the body, and then used the body to turn him into a secret better assassin with his dead body that turns out didn't happen. It just turned him into a brain-damaged idiot. <laughs> and you're telling me that his soul went into a squid thing, and then it came to his son and told him to be a surfer, and he's like, yep. And he's like, how? And he goes, he, go, he gave us coordinates to storms. And the guy's like, huh. And then he goes, you know what? No, actually, the, the captain says all of that. And the only response from Eyebrow Doctor, which is the, the coolest thing I've ever seen. He, he's, this guy's telling him the story to him. And you know it's insane. That guy should be sitting there like, this sounds stupid when someone says it back to me. But he's not. He's just sitting there moving his eyebrows like a cocky son of a bitch. He looks at him after the captain says all of this bullshit. And he looks him dead in the eye and he goes, you're telling me I'm supposed to send this son to Bali and be like an amazing surfer so that when he dies, we turn his body into a secret assassin soldier? And the doctor looks at him and he goes, Hennessy. <laughs> and he hands him a bottle of Hennessy and the captain's like alright I'm in how do we do this and he's like we're just gonna bring him in and then when he dies we're gonna turn him into a soldier like his dad and we're gonna see if it works so then it cuts to the footage of him surfing oh no no I'm sorry it then cuts to a scene where the son talks to some random bald 
possible AIDS or cancer victim guy in real life. I don't know. He's like he looked like Colin Farrell, to be honest. He looked like Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell had AIDS. Exactly. (laughs) He looked sick, but he also seemed drunk, which is weird. So he he tells him the story of how his dad supposedly died. That they were like he he rambles on and on for a while, but eventually he's like, "Your dad saved my life." He (laughs) we were trapped. By, by rifle fire and out of ammo and we were stuck on an island and then we were stuck on an island surrounded by sharks and the ship was in between us and the sharks we couldn't get out of there but your dad swam to the ship put a bomb on it and swam back and apparently he wasn't he didn't get back in time that's how he died which I don't know how they recovered the body so okay whatever six million dollar man the kid yeah, he goes surfing forever, and that's the end of the movie. So I'm thinking either A, the dad finally died, and the flag folding is because the dad died, or B, um, the son became a soldier and died after that wave, and then died as a soldier because the experiment failed again. Either way, I love it. But this is my favorite theory about how the movie works as a whole. If the dad was a secret spy soldier... He died. They got his body and then used it to try and make an experiment that screwed it up. And that's like a Frankenstein monster in that wheelchair. Like they, they were telling the kid that he had brain damage, but really he was just a zombie. Um, I would love it if, if he didn't die, and he really did get brain damage from the explosion and not the experiments. And they couldn't do the experiments because he wasn't dead yet. And what was visiting his son was not the dead spirit of the dad, but was instead the brain-damaged spirit of the dad, so that's why none of that stuff made sense. Oh, man. That's my theory. And that is the movie, in a nutshell. It's like, it was one of the, it's one of the best bad movie experiences I've seen in the theater. It was amazing. Like, I protected myself more than I would for a Star Wars movie. <clears throat> I was not let down. I would not watch a single trailer. I just wanted to experience this. And... Oh my God. Just... Like if insanity, if the def, if the pure, the purest, like definition of insanity were made into a movie, this is it. Just I, crazy. I I would say that this is definitely up there. This is definitely up there. This is a classic. Like <laughs> the funny thing is, is like people when they talk about the room, they neglect to talk about the like straight half an hour of that movie being love scenes just long long love scenes they're just so so boring after a while and that is the surfing scenes here after a while they're just so boring but there's still something funny every like now and then enough for you to be like okay that was great but the mo- everything else when he's doing his monologues when he's talking when the movie all of a sudden is about like military people who are taking advantage of this family of famous surfers it's <laughs> it's amazing uh, 
Okay. Beautiful. So, a few interesting <sighs> tidbits. Um, so the monologue with him having an alleged hernia, um, 12 minutes. The shot, I think, is like 12 minutes because the son asks questions, but his monologue is 10. Yes, um, so Which the I guy, find super funny. and then the guy in the Vice article said, uh, said, um, Later, Burke told me it's the longest single-take movie monologue ever. Yeah. Yeah. So. Feels like it. He's a professor. So, Douglas Burke, who made this movie from every single facet imaginable, from music and score to writing and producing and directing and starring. Um, he interviewed Vice afterwards. And he's a professor of physics. So he's Dr. Douglas Burke. Um, he's a professor of physics at USC. Yeah. So... As an obvious, so the the Vice article quotes as an obviously smart guy. I wondered if he was maybe attempting to emulate Wiseau's success, but besides being vaguely aware of the disaster artist, Burke said he wasn't familiar. Um, I explained that the room is a movie that, but most audiences find to be funny, but was originally envisioned as a drama. I pointed out that at the server screening I attended, which Burke spent sitting directly behind me, the audience was laughing throughout the movie. Um, Burke suggested that the audience may have been might have been laughing because they were in awe of his performance. <laughs> that's that's when I was like, oh no, that's a crazy person thought. Like that's the first hint where you're like, nope, he doesn't. He's not in on it. He that is a crazy person thought. Quote: I think people at some point have to laugh if the actor is doing a good job. It's going to make the viewer feel a little bit insane and start to laugh a little bit. But there's a lot, or there's also a lot of deep, deep tragedy. <laughs> I love to write poetry and perform it as though I'm on the middle of some Shakespearean stage. No other producer would let me do that. Certainly the one-take monologue is, it's funny because every now and then there's a moment where I'm like, okay, this actually sounds like pretty interesting poetry, but it's not A, saying anything, and B, then it starts to deviate to like bad rhyming, and it just, it gets really bad after a while. There it is, right there. I see it. Um, if, the, the dead whale, Burke claims it's a real dead whale. Yeah, that's not something they made out of paper mache. There's that no way it's fake. Tip. There's no way that's fake. <sighs> that is uh, that is guerrilla filmmaking. As an opportunity filmmaker, if I've ever seen one. Um, <laughs> he reasoned his. Hang on. Hang on. I'm trying to see. Um. In regards to uh, his son Sage, who his character is Sage, he basically plays himself. Um, uh -huh. uh, Burke said he enjoyed it. Uh, 
he insisted. He explained why he felt defensive about questions about questions regarding Sage, who was unfamiliar, who was unavailable for interview. Burke recounted reading a review that described Sage as mortally embarrassed. <laughs> it wasn't. It, it like wasn't that he was embarrassed. I just. It just looked like he'd rather be like anywhere else, just for like a lack of interest. Yes, I think it's a mixture of A, he didn't want to do this but wasn't going to say so B, a lot of his scenes are just sitting there like his most dynamic scenes are when he's not with his father like when he's with the doctor he's actually trying to act and trying to bang on a wall and stuff like that like he's it's he gets to say some things but when he's with his father he just sits there and watches while his dad keeps talking and it's just, I would be bored if I had to film that and sit there and do nothing, especially when none of it makes any sense. None of it. Oh my god. Dude, that one part. Okay, so here, here we go. So, quoting Burke, what some adults don't understand, as a film critic, they might not like it, but the film's not for them. It's for teenagers, and teenagers will love it. It's a father teaching his son. If the boys in the, if the, boys in the audience don't like it, then you failed, because the message is for them. I'm sure there are people who don't want to teach their son the Bible. That's okay. They would not like the movie, I guess. Uh, going back to the article, it felt like Burke thought criticism of Surfer meant the audience was either attacking his son, failing to understand the Christian themes, or have or have a bigoted view of Christians. Quote, is there... Okay, so he's asking... He then asked um, Burke if there was a fear that audiences might not get it or like it. Um, no, no, no. Then said, the question is, he, well, how would he feel if audiences got it and didn't like it? So, his answer, I don't know, that's tough, after a long pause. You know, if the critics stick all their knives in it, okay. Then they're sacrificing a lamb, and you know what happens after that. I don't want to say anything after that because the article does the research for me. <laughs> after we parted ways, I tried to sort through this lamb metaphor on the drive home. Was he suggesting that criticizing Surfer is necessary for the common good? Did he mean it in reference to the Lamb of God as if to say criticizing Surfer is similar to killing Jesus Christ? <laughs> what does that mean? The movie starts over again for the critic after three days? But with a 20-minute single-take monologue? Like, everything about, like everything else about Surfer, I'm not entirely sure it added up to anything more than well-intentioned eccentricity. In cinema, that's a virtue. It really is. If you want to understand, like, here's the thing. This movie is, like, filled with amazing quotes. Amazing quotes. There's, like, 20 t-shirts you can make from this movie alone. But, um... If you want to understand what they are, because we can't say them off the top of our head without having the movie in front of us, there's just too many of them. But uh, that line right there, the sacrificial lamb, and like the work the writer does to try and figure it out, is exactly what that movie is. That's how it just—it's line after line of terrible metaphors. So, Chris, I want to—I want—did you get the—did you get a chance to read the one IMDb re- yes, review? Yes, I did. Up? I did read it. That thing is cutting i i don't i was gonna write something about this movie but instead i'm just gonna point people to that because it's one of the best things you could write about this okay. so I, I implore people to go look for the one 
the one out of the ten one star user review. review. The one single one there is. Very smart, very cutting. It breaks it down perfectly. And they viewed it the same way we did. They see it as a glorious, laughable, good time at the movies with people who like ironically bad movies. But outside of that, like he understands exactly what this movie is and what it was for. And he nails it, I think. Yes. Um, there was one quote, though. Um, hold on. Where was it? Hold on, I'm trying to find it. Dang it. There was a really funny quote. Um, this is pesky number division. Laughter and perplexity assaults you as if... Oh yeah, here we go. The laughter and perplexity that assaults you as the viewer leads to a cerebral whiplash that leaves you leaves your head lighter than air. <laughs> Which is exactly how I felt. Yeah. Oh man, if you are everyone out of that theater in a good mood. Oh yeah, even our buddy Jackson. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> it's made of jelly. <laughs> oh my god. You. It's like it's like you can't plausibly get into this guy's head. It's just like, he just left yeah. it all. He just left it all on there. Oh. So, so let me ask you something. I was thinking about this on the ride home. Okay. And let, let me just say to the audience, I would be more freaked out about this movie and I probably will be more freaked out about this experience in other episodes. The only reason I can is I have to be quiet where I am. But uh, I, I was thinking about the Ready to Rumble episode and how bad that was, how bad that movie was to me, but the merits that I saw in it. And this movie is a better example of the kind of, like, Neil Breen, room-style, red-letter media-type bad movies. So do you see, Chris, when I give something like Ready to Rumble that has a little bit of merit to it, versus something like this, a D, versus this being, this is an, this is an F in terms of how you make a movie. This is an... I would say an A in terms of a good bad movie. This is an A good bad movie for me, but an F in terms of a bad movie. Um. Okay, I get it. Like, at least Ready to Rumble was a movie. It was um, a co- it had competency to it. Yes, I was thinking about this the whole time. I'm like. Miami Connection was a better structure than this. It really was. It really was. As thoroughly entertaining as both of those are, you could be... There's so much more going on in Miami Connection. There's only one scene that I can think of where it gets so repetitive and boring that you want it to stop. Whereas in this movie, that happens a little bit more, but it saves it by just being a little bit more bad. Like, the surfing is elevated in terms of its hilarity by the music being so... And it's just one of the tur- that, that turns it into good bad. If it was just surfing and, like, stock music, it'd be more boring. And I would probably give this a beat. But because he made the music and it gives it that extra kick of, God, this flute is so... It's like, you feel like a dog turning its <laughs> head when someone whistles at it. It's just like, that note's wrong. That note's wrong. 
that note's wrong. Oh, God. <laughs> it just gets so funny after a while. Um, <laughs> but something like Ready to Rumble, I think it, um, it, like I said, I think it's wrestling is well done. I think, yeah. I think some, I think Martin Landau's pretty good at it. I think Oliver Platt is putting his best into something so bare bones. Like, there's merit to that movie. But when I see something like this, I'm like, as a film, there's no merit to it. But what I love is this is a movie that is incompetent as a film in its second half in terms of just being a film. And then in its first half, in terms of being just crazy auteur, the first half is like this guy sitting in front of camera saying crazy stuff that's hilarious in front of his son, and he's making him sit there. And the second half, he's actually trying to tell a story that's so crazy, it doesn't make any sense. There are other actors, there's flat, there's like editing, there's cuts, you can like, there's some sort of point to it, and then it just goes back to being stock footage serving. So it's like three different things in one movie, and all of them succeed at being terribly funny. So... Apparently, he believed in this movie so much so he tried to release it around Oscar season of 2018. And, like, like he actually tried to. Oh my god. No, I think it's going to be a while before he gets. I think he gets that people are watching it now. For the wrong reasons. I really understand the reaction that people are giving it. But and why they're giving Wizzo it. Eventually, Wizo eventually understood that and he ended up doing other things that have like catapulted him to fame through his like weirdness. He understands that his weirdness is a commodity and it, people don't have to laugh at him, they can laugh with him. So he's learned to fix that and put it to his advantage and create a character out of it. This guy isn't there yet. Um, and he, I don't know if he has any plans to make another movie because, like this one, he it seems he spent his entire son's childhood trying to map it out, and it's it's weird trying to figure out when the board that they spend so much time to make comes into play, when they actually went on vacation, when certain scenes were filmed, and when 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 were the ideas of this movie brought on. When did it start? Because you could say that it happens all the way back when they're on vacation and stuff, but like, no, there's a scene with his own six-year-old son just saying crazy batshit crap. So I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if he has other plans. I don't know. There's a guy, there's a guy who made a time travel film called Primer, and it's amazing. It's incredibly low budget. It's so cool. I, my sister loves time travel. It took forever for her to watch it. And when she did, she goes, I loved it. Like, it's a great, small, very smart movie. That even today, I don't even fully understand, despite the fact that it was made, like, in a guy's garage. It's, it's really, really good for low-budget filmmaking. Eight years later, I feel like he made another film. And it's beautiful, and it's gorgeous, and it's your great. And it's just, it takes this guy forever to make movies. But when he does, he put his heart and soul into them, and they're great, and they're weird, but they're executed wonderfully. And they, you either are, your brain is working, or your heart is working. He gets you at either one of those points. But you wait for his movies, and they're worth it. I would wait for this guy's next movie. If it takes ten years for this guy to um, uh, like psychologically abuse his other child, for it. Let's do it. I want a skateboarding movie, um, camping, I don't care, make about dishwashers in the restaurant. I don't 
don't care. Just like, uh, <laughs> like mess with your kid and boost, like push your stream is on him. Like, I don't care. I want this guy to make another movie again. If this is, if this is his Night of the Hunter, like the only film he ever makes, it's a doozy. <laughs> it is. I loved it. Like, okay. I so, loved it. So, like you said, in terms of a good bad, it's A. Plus. Like, a pure, Ooh, a pure entertainment value. But objectively, F minus. I'm going to say F minus, too. You got me saying F minus on an objective level, for sure. I don't even think it's an F, it's an F minus. But I will say this. Yeah, there's not one competent moment, there's not one competent shot that I think plays out properly. It's either too long or cut too short. Um, but I would say when I think about like the best bad movies ever, where would I put that? I mean, the biggest one that people are going to be comparing this to because they always do with like, I, I think this is more fun than Neil Breen movies, but I hear his latest one was really, really good. I hear his latest one is really fun. Um, but I, I like this one better because here's the thing. I really like laughing at bad music sometimes and I really like laughing at bad monologues and poetry sometimes and I really like laughing at bad movies and this movie has all three of them and there's a part of me that almost likes it more than The Room and that's the one that you usually compare it to it's the standard, it's the Citizen Kane of bad movies these days. Most people would say Plan 9 is the Citizen Kane and this is like the Schindler's List if that's what modern filmmaking is today on the best level for the 90s but like the room, the room is so amazing because it's a bad human drama, poorly executed on every level, but looks really good. And at the center of it is one of the is an alien. It's an alien, a real life alien who's put on a human suit and is pretending to be in a movie. It's really kind of hard to explain that movie I think it has layers and this one is up there I think I just <clears throat> it's like I don't know I really enjoyed watching this almost more than I watch The Rooms so it's sort of like how I feel about The Godfathers the first Godfather is really watchable and I watch it all the time and the second one is it takes a couple watches or I'll break it in half because it's so you have to use your brain and it's it really is the better movie but the first one is the more rewatchable. So where I feel like this was, this is something I may watch a lot just because I would love to quote it all the time. The Room is the better bad movie. Entertainingly bad movie. But this is so good. This was so good. I'm so glad I watched this with a crowd the first time. Oh man. just It's just like, I was having a talk with my mom. She's just like, I told her I was gonna I was gonna go and laugh at this movie, and she's just like, "You know what? We should support more Christian films." I'm just like, N after after tonight, I'm like, "No, never, ever, no, no, definitely not." This movie is a terrible Christian movie. A, it gets all its Christian allegories wrong, and B, you can tell this is this isn't a movie to boost Christian faith. This is a movie to use the Christian film business to push your sports movie about your surfer kid. That is true. See, he's a that is an excellent point. Yeah. No. 
he's, he's trying to find an audience for him to sell his surfer son to him because he happens to be Christian. But that's it. Like, he may be Christian for sure, but, like, that's not why he made the movie. He made the movie to sell his son as a surfer. So, yeah, there you go, everybody. The long-awaited review. I wish we could be... Here's the thing. When Zach comes around and we tell him the story again and you guys hear all this stuff again, we'll be more animated. Uh, yes. But right now... I'm think, I think I'm just kind of shocked because it was so much fun. It really was a lot of fun. I got to think the trial on because the moment that the person walked out at the trial on theater was like, this is a new one and this person brought it up. I, I started to realize this is a community of people who come here like, I don't know, maybe once a week and watch a bad movie as a group of friends. And, I, and we entered into that and dude, they welcomed us in with open arms. Everybody was joking. Everyone was laughing. I was kind of like worried. Would we laugh too loud? Would we be too loud? Would our jokes be too loud? No. Everybody was in. Everybody was welcoming. And it was just a, such a good experience. The experience of watching it with that group of people was as good as watching that movie as a bad movie. I, I When I walked in and I was doing it, I was like, I was with you on a couch alone. I didn't care about anybody else. I was like, I'm going to respond to this the way I want to. And eventually... I just got in with a group of people because they were asking me to, and it was great. That was a really, really good experience. Cheers to the trial-on. Absolutely. If we... uh, that's the second time I've been there for a good movie, and that was a great That was probably the, one of the best experiences I've had in the theater in a long time, and maybe my favorite all year. If we come across another Holy Grail bad movie, and it plays there... We will definitely go to the trial-on. Absolutely. Well, here's, well, the thing is, we... The question is, really, if this guy hadn't made this on a Christian theme, because the Christian theme is barely there, it's like, maybe... it's. It, I would like to say that he's saying the Spirit of God will help you like, from fear, but he a delivered lot of it, it's like no. science fiction crap. Like, a lot of it is science fiction crap. To me, it, no, to me it was more like... He's delivering this like a Scientologist selling him selling him Scientology. It seemed like a Texas preacher. When I go to Texas, I see preachers and I see people act like that a lot. Oh my gosh! This doesn't just none of it made any sense. I'm just like, what? So that, if that, that, I doesn't, had that doesn't that doesn't line up. Well, the thing that I find interesting is if this didn't have a Christian theme to it, no. how long would it have taken? I had found out about this because I probably or Zach probably would have found out about this before you but because you look for good Christian films and bad Christian films um, you were the one who found this so that's like that's it why just, we were sitting in a room of maybe 50 like 40, 50 people rather than seeing this at the Alamo Draft House with like a giant crowd who have known about this already like when I found out about the room it was well well into its fame like we got on the ground floor of this thing and i i will tell everybody about it like when people when this gets bigger we're one of the first episodes that people are going to see because i guarantee you nobody's seen this i, I guarantee you there's not one bad movie podcast that has done this yet <laughs> oh man i will probably try and get this up on like youtube that. Oh, yeah. now that you mention it i'm probably gonna try and get this up on youtube Please do, because, like, the more people find out about this, the better. And I'm not saying, like, we have a better YouTube presence. It's just we the more places that people will look for bad information about this movie, our name will come up first. That's how early we are. 
but that's how ground floor we are with this movie. And every, they don't come around often. This one was a doozy. It was objectively the worst film ever made, but boy, howdy, was it just... It's like... It's like actually like watching like um, the funniest surfing wipeout you could. And then it just plays over and over and over again. But in different ways. Sprinkle in like Mel Gibson level of insanity and the worst depiction of a mentally ill character I've ever seen and this is what you Girl, get. Throw a baby in with a Casio keyboard. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was just amazing. It really was. It, it was everything I wanted it to be and more. Okay. So, Surfer Teen Confronts Fear. Highly recommend in the worst way possible. Oh, please. See, get 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 inebriated in the only way you know how to. If that's you know drinking a bunch of vitamin C or Sunny D, I don't care what it is. Get with your friends, get some beers, get something, and just watch this and laugh. Just laugh. Um, it's fantastic. So, not gonna lie, I forgot what we picked on the Goodwill. Dread. Dread. Right. How did I forget that? We've been waiting for Dread for so long. I feel like everything's coming full... Everything's like... Our entire back catalog is coming. To like, bite us. Like, I mean, all the stuff that's overdue is coming. That means... Surf's up. And... Treasure Planet. Treasure, Treasure Planet. And... Yeah, man, that means it's a special. And that's the thing, you made a very good point when we walked out. You should, you and I should watch the special together, absolutely. Yeah, you'll enjoy the special better if I'm sitting there making fun of it with you. I'm going to watch Wookiee Porn. When that, when that wheel happens. Sure, I'll watch that too. Watch that too. Alright. We're getting out of here, everybody, because we're tired. I'm tired, at least. So, alright. Server Deacon uh, Front's uh, Fear. We're going to... We'll freak out more when we tell Zach about it. Yes, we will freak out more when we eventually tell Zach about it. So, yeah, that was a year in the making, and, uh, yeah. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Here's the thing. When I I heard about um, Mad Max Fury Road, it was a year ahead of schedule, and I was like, oh, my God, this looks amazing. I, I can't wait to see this. And then it came out, and I told everyone about it, and I watched it, and it was unbelievably worth a year's worth of hype. It was worth it. The next time that happened was Baby Driver. I waited a year for Baby Driver to come out and it was totally worth the wait. I got to work in a theater. I got to get a cool poster. I got to tell everybody about it. It was great. I didn't know that this was going to be that movie. I thought it was going to be like Knives Out or something, but no, this was that movie. I We waited a year for this. It came out and it everything I wanted it to be and more and the experience of seeing it was even better alright we're gonna get out of here guys so go watch the movie whenever it comes back whenever it comes to a um a city near you wherever you may be so anything it's really hard to see it so we are at ground floor 
yeah, we are definitely ground floor. So, alright. So, we'll say goodbye. And next time, Dread. Say goodbye, Alex. Get this man a Coke. <laughs> I've been iron made to pain. There's so many. There's so many, guys. Fall. Hennessy. Fall. Winter, <laughs> spring, summer, fall again. <laughs> Whales beach themselves because they're all looking for their own Jonas. <laughs> when a whale cries, it's a signal of a man's failure. <laughs> <laughs> Why was whale cry? <laughs> Why was whale oh, cry? Oh, God, when's care about men failing? <laughs> all right, we're done.